Welcome back to Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. This is part two of our Thanksgiving episode calling Family Ties. Our special guests are our husbands, Andy and Lance. All right. So, gosh, so, so cool getting to know uh, and share, you know, your experiences with our audience here. So another question for you all. As white men raising, excuse me, raising black boys and Lance, you a black girl, was it difficult in the beginning or something that you fully embraced? And when you, you answer this question, I mean, you can talk about different places that you may have had to incorporate or be intentional about um, getting them involved in, but uh, was it, was it difficult in the beginning stepping into that role? It wasn't difficult from a race perspective. It was a difficult, it was difficult because it's parenting, (laughs) you know? Um, And of course I had Kisa to lean on for, you know, anything that, that that element may have um, uh, brought to the, to the mix there, uh, you know, given a little thought to, um, you know, those experiences, uh, I ju- yeah, it just never crossed my mind that, that, you know, outside of being a blended family. Uh, and then I, I quickly took my and Milton in as mine, you know, I, you know, Kisa said years ago, we don't use the term step children in our culture. And I, I am embraced and adopted that methodology because when folks would say, oh, is that your stepson? It's like, man, that's my, he's mine. That's my son. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that, you know, I feel that way about them. Mm-hmm. Um, going into it, um, you know, I, I did a lot of soul searching as to whether or not that was something I wanted to, to take on. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that I did. Um, you know, I think the only maybe uh, feeling that um, I had uh, going in was uh, being a mixed couple. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, uh, being a people pleaser and always being conscious of what people thought. Or I, I, was, I was conscious of that when we were together in public. Um, so I was never um, being together with the kids. If anything, it might have been a little bit being with Kisa. But now I don't even give it any thought and uh, just um, reflecting on that recently thinking, you know, people probably still have the same reactions, but I'm not even aware of it. anymore. You know, it doesn't bother me. I was just so, so comfortable in it. And uh, although I do take notice, if you watch TV commercials these days, I'd say eight out of 10 are featuring mixed couples. And we know why they're doing that. You know, they're expanding their base, Mm -hmm. but I do find it, kind of interesting and I recognize it every time it, it happens, you know, and uh, point it out to Keith. Sometimes I'll rewind the DVR and say, hey, did you see that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but out, outside of those dynamics and things that I had to kind of process through, <clears throat> no, um, my, it, it, I don't think, um, I didn't give it much thought. I think it's just more about the day-to-day grind of parenting and just the parenting dynamic in and of itself uh, was challenging, you know, enough for, for me um, in trying to figure out what to do or not to do. And I'll add to that. Um, it may not have been difficult. It is a conversation that we would have, you know, just um, race as a conversation in our family 
you know, just because it, it has to be. And, and Lance has had to, he's stepped up and, and gone to bat for our kiddos on things. Like I remember an instance in Milton's elementary school, I think I shared on one of our other episodes where a kid was saying he was trying to take his lunch or, you know, the term bully was kind of thrown around loosely. And I tell you, Lance kind of got his, got his back up and he was like, you're not going to call my son one of the only black children in this school a bully. You know what I mean? So we're very aware of kind of how, you know, um, perceptions are out there. So it may not be difficult, but it's a conversation and we're, it's a conversation that we know about and that we have and that we, you know, yeah. fully step into, well, but that's a, dad, that's a dad thing too. So not to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more of a dad thing. Now to say I haven't had dozens and dozens of observations that, you know, deal with, you know, some, maybe some, uh, some, some bias and some, you know, injustice. Yeah. Plenty of those. Uh, but I didn't get that as the nature of the questions. It was more around, was it difficult in the beginning because of that dynamic? And I didn't, I didn't see it that way. Uh, I would have taken up for him regardless. The fact that that may have been the reason. Yeah. That might've charged me up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's still, um, my my motives, my intentions as a parent were really the driving force and all that. But that's not to say I haven't seen plenty for anybody willing to listen. And um, being able to see both sides, I think, you know, does give me a little bit of an of an advantage in that regard. And and then trying to communicate that to people is probably the bigger challenge, you know, to help them to understand without running them off or getting them to turn defensive or uh, be offended. That's been the, my biggest challenge, really, is just trying to hold, have those conversations with people to help point out what I'm seeing and get them to recognize that, acknowledge that. You know, that, that's really where it's gotten difficult for me. What really got my heart was hearing both Lance and Andy talk with such conviction and devotion about their kiddos just being their kiddos. And, and kind of reflecting on this question it's been a journey for me um definitely from parenting i thought marriage and was hard which is very hard um wonderfully hard i'd say um because he's sitting next to me that's why <laughs> yeah but uh and parenting in, in itself is extremely difficult especially parenting to boys that are I always and I've said this from day one it's I don't think we could have had two biological kids that are similar to our personalities than they are, than they are. I, I really don't and I you know once again that's kind of I, I believe that's God's just mm. a sense of humor and, and the way he there's no doubt in my mind that when um Malachi and Solomon were born that they were supposed to be in our family. And so from a embracing perspective and a love perspective, yeah, no, it's, there was no question about it. Um, and then meeting them and seeing their personalities. Um, you know, when we're at home, I, uh, I honestly, I think I mentioned this a while and Solomon's been here what seven years now mm -hmm. and um over seven years and so I mentioned to her it's not to me I have to catch myself and I have to to say especially now that he's driving and he's being out on his own that 
now I have to say, okay, it's not, I don't see him as black in our house. And so when, when I, when he says, Hey dad, can I go out? I'm thinking, well, when I was 17, had a driver's license. Yes. I had to be respectful and, and go out and, and obey the rules, but I never remember my dad having to say, you know, where to put your hands, make sure, you know, we make sure his driver's license and, and everything is easily accessible. Make sure, you know, go through those, take down your hoodie, you know, that type of thing. Never had to have those conversations. And so that it was things in conversations like that, that I had to learn and didn't really think about it going into, into the adoption. And it happened so fast. I think that, um, um, Lance, uh, I, for me, it's now into this. Yeah. When I take my boys out and go shopping or whatever, it's, I start to notice when people or I don't notice now when people stare or, or ask questions or whatnot, just kind of, he's, he's my son. He's always been my son. And at the beginning though, I, it was awkward. Right. And it was weird. Like in, in the sense of people asking. And in fact, I was at one, I remember this vividly when I first came in and used to travel a lot. And, you know, of course had the family photo on my phone and had a person sitting next to me, a lady sitting next to me. And she's like uh, a, a black lady. And she goes, Oh, that's really cool. Is your wife black? And I was like, man, should I have fun with this or should I just, but uh, no. So we got into it and she's like, and so we got into the whole story. Why did you want to adopt interracially as well as, as, um, internationally and so just told a little bit of that story but I think without Renee for me um, she's taught me a lot got me thinking about a lot of it and a big part of it for me was it's I'm very like compartmentalizing right so here at home I don't think about it I don't you know we there are boys they act silly and get in trouble and playing the mud and whatever else here. And so it took me a while to have to translate that out to the real world. And I really, I don't, and and I'll be honest, I don't think it hit me a hundred percent until, you know, especially probably a year and a half ago, um, just with the political climate and, you know, social climate and everything else. Uh, I think that's when it like, it really hit me. I think every single person needs to go to a black barber shop and, uh, and experience that and, you know, taking my boys there and man, it's not your classic cuts. I'll tell you that much. It's, it's, uh, it's, a little, a little different but to me that's like gosh why don't we have that as white people like i'm jealous of that i don't know I, lance i don't know if you think about it but i'm jealous like i just i like being a part of that and, and talking about it and yeah so but to me that gives me a glimpse a little bit about what my boys feel and i think just my last comment on it from my learning and, and embracing of it is i was very intentional that because of the area we live in, 
I didn't want them to, I wanted them to know some of the black culture and wanted them to understand that and to investigate it for themselves and to, and not that they have to choose or they can be, obviously you all embrace that where you can accept both and it's mutually inclusive and not exclusive. Right. And so, um, but how do we do that and allow them to do that so that they feel comfortable and, and, help us to, to learn it as well along the way. And so um, I didn't want them to feel like they had to be black kids in a white world. Right. And, and, and not be cognizant of that. That's, that's a good, that's a good phrase. Cause we often do black, black kids. I mean, who turn into a black adults in a white world, there's a bit of assimilation that has to, to happen for you not to seem a threat. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a part of our, yeah. our cultural upbringing, but um, you mentioned barbershop. I mean, gosh, so many cultural experiences at a black barbershop. And uh, I know Lance even started going with, with Milton and getting his hair cut at one. And, you know, we had them in what an AAU track team here too, just different things to really, to really help with that because of, because of the areas uh, that we're in and the schools and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the books that are out there. It's um, because I think growing up, you go in a white study, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's out there, but yeah, it's not as bad as it was. I mean, and, and I think that's why it hit me so hard here recently. Um, I believed it, that it was out there, but it was just something. And because my boys are, they are sheltered, right. And our, our kids are sheltered here a little bit and you don't really, maybe it's harder because we don't see it every day and in in a sense, a direct sense. Right. And, and COVID's really impacted that, but we, we have to be racism and uh, talking about racism and, and just what, especially black boys go through. Um, and that's where my perspective is from, but it's, you hear about it and you, but until you actually live it, it's really hard to, to fully understand and, and, experience through that experience and so I think a lot of white people probably have felt like we're in a post-racial society but like Andy says sometimes you have to live it to know that we are far from that beautiful idea of a post-racial America and then teaching you know having never had it to the core personally it's difficult to teach like truly teach your sons about it and you can can you can talk the talk but you can't walk the walk right and so fortunately we have some some black guys that have been you know our boys have been able to to use and talk to as a resource and especially solomon um obviously he's at he's at that age and so yes and and i think for me it's humbling myself to be able to say man there's some quality friends of our, you know, black guys that we're friends with that I can trust to take that, that role that I can't do. So, yes, no, the whole village concept, right. And that sometimes can be an ego thing with dads. Um, you know, especially growing up in a, you know, sports world. Um, a lot of dads, it's hard for them to relinquish control. Uh, but I, Man, I always felt really good about finding dynamic people in the community to pour in to uh, to Maya and Milton, 
and now soon with Tyson. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got something to offer. And, and like Andy's saying there, there are certain things that I can offer. There's other things I'm not the expert in, and, mm-hmm. and I never will be in any topic. And if there's something that I think would help with my child's development, I'm going to find the most appropriate person and get some time with them. Mm-hmm. I think there's, uh, I think that's a nugget. Yeah, that is a nugget. And I think we're going to have a little, <clears throat> a slight curve somewhat with, uh, with Tyson, um, Lance and, 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 uh, and my son are together, our, our little mixed chocolate drop, uh, <laughs> vanilla bean. Uh, he's, um, you know, I believe he'll be treated as a black man. However, he's very, very fair. And so I know he's fair with my features. So he's got Lance's color, but my features. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, there's a lot that he's going to experience, you know, talking to friends of mine that, mine that are uh, of mixed uh, race, some of the challenges with questions like, what are you? And what are, you know, so he, you know, I know there's different challenges with that. Um, as well as, you know, being labeled a black man that we're just, we're going to have to learn and kind of, mm-hmm. kind of grow with moving forward. Yeah. So. You know, you're, it's interesting. I had the thought too, with our boys, um, especially Solomon and where I, I kind of wrestle with internally is, you know, our boys are from Ethiopia. And so that's a completely different true, you know, African-American culture. And, and it's completely different than than a, maybe an american black culture mm-hmm. so how do we embrace the ethiopian truly african-american ethiopian culture and the american black african-american culture how do we because it's it's two separate mm. cultures from mm-hmm. a cultural standpoint and so how do we teach them both and embrace both and, and, um, blend it together. Blend it together. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in the white culture into that. Right. And so how do you blend all of that and not lose any of the identity? And, and I don't, I think for Renee and I, a big part of our thing is, is we do not want them and they're going to just by nature of living here, but lose their Ethiopian c- culture and heritage um, and just understand where they're, they're have come from and where they've, you know, their experiences, especially Solomon having grown up there and, um, for, for a while. And, yeah. um, so that's, that's internally where I kind of struggle as well Is you don't have to choose one, right. Or another. And so. Yeah. Just talk about all of it, incorporate all of it. Yeah. Beautiful thing. That is beautiful. Um, so in this, Andy kind of touched on it earlier too, in this season of unrest and political polarization, have you had to be more intentional on certain things regarding your family? Or have you been more or less afraid because of the targets our boys, our children, all of them, boys and girls, have on their backs? Um, I'll, I'll keep it short and because I, I have touched on it. I think personally, I think for, for me, is it, it's just made me more aware of um, of that tension and the, you know, especially looking at the the way our some of our leaders have 
tweeted and and spoken it's you know i i thought it was a lot less than it was um because you know we had our first black president we um everything's good now and and things are calmed down and that is even looking at the vote that's a hundred percent not sure and um don't buy into that and so as far as being more or less afraid, I think I'm more afraid for my older son because he's driving. Uh, one, because he's a 17-year-old boy driving, and that just scares the heck out of me. Um, two, because he's a black boy driving. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, naturally, he has a target on his back, especially behind the wheel. I, I really do believe that. Um, mm-hmm. In school, too, there's some things that we've seen with him growing up and even with Malachi not as much but you know it it, uh i think there as well uh, there's there's definitely so it's just being being cognizant and being able to recognize those things as as a white dad to call them out and to support your boys through it and they're not always going to be right but being able to look to god to have that discernment between what is the truth and what is what is not and and what needs to be fought for yeah, for me, I, I don't think I've changed um, internally or with our household per se. Uh, every time I tell myself I have no more naivety left, uh, something happens and I realize I'm still a little naive on a variety of things that, you know, continue to open my eyes. And uh, so, you know, this climate's kind of caused me to continue to learn. Probably become as strategic as I can possibly be in having conversations with folks. And I share the frustration that I'm sure many a person has had trying to express their views and their personal experiences as genuinely, sincerely, as kindly as they can, and then fall on deaf ears or it actually anger someone. And, um, and, and my biggest pet peeve these days is how, so many things turn political so quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's not two types of people in this country. It's like a us versus them kind of a mentality. Every time uh, an important topic is brought up, I, I just, I try to evade that as, uh, as a conversation because it just gets you nowhere. It's just so combative. It's so uh, antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll leave it with this. You know, for me, uh, leadership is about galvanizing a group of people. School system, business, sports team. You galvanize a group of people by bringing them together under one common cause. And that's really supposed to be the the marching orders of of this country, you know. Um, And and I I don't see that. Um, very often um, when it comes to these kind of polarizing topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, you know, and I've not always demonstrated um, the highest degree of maturity in my own life, but I think it does take a lot of maturity to just allow yourself to listen to someone, hear them out, empathize with it, um, give them uh, a chance to be understood, you know, seek, First to understand, then be understood. Stephen Covey, if we can do that, I think, you know, there'll be a lot of progress made. But unfortunately, it's just uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks don't want to give up any ground 
you know, they see it as uh, either as a weakness or as, you know, what they're supposed to do. But I just think it, it uh, reflects a higher degree of uh, maturity and, and uh, courage and wisdom to um, try to understand another person's perspective before, you know, you, uh, you reach a conclusion. Uh, and, and don't politicize. Don't make it about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's just so far from that. Yeah. Um, we're not defined by that. Our identity's in Christ. Um, and then uh, we need to uh, take a look around and do the research and listen and then, you know, judge, judge for ourselves, you know, after we've done that research. And uh, I think we could make a lot of progress if we look at it in, in that regard. So got a little long winded, but that, that's how I feel about it. Um, it's been just, it's been challenging for me to try to have good, meaningful conversations with folks who just refuse to consider anything other than what they firmly believe. So um, work to be done in that regard, but it's definitely um, helped me to th- apply a little more critical thinking and be a little more um, strategic with, you know, how I engage in those conversations. Yeah, Lance, I think you're 100% correct. And and for me, it's, uh, I've had to do that as, as a, you know, becoming a father to two black boys. I have, man, there's so many times that I've had to throw out my, honestly, it boils down to pride. I've had to get rid of my pride, be okay with learning and be okay with, maybe I don't agree with the other side or, or. I don't agree with what's happening or, you know, what you have to say, but you have to put your pride down to listen and accept what that person's saying for what it is and be able to internalize it a little bit. And you don't have to hundred percent agree, obviously, but you have to respect their opinion and on both sides and it's where they're coming from. But you need that respect in return and and hopefully it moves the needle closer to, to the center. I would say. (laughs) I have an idea. Kisa, hulky rethal 2024 ticket. I don't know. You want that. Oh boy. Here you go. We need more of that kind of leadership. We need more of that. So what is the, Thanksgiving food you can't live without. Go ahead, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it's 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 probably the cheapest element of the plate, but I don't eat stuffing on any other day of the year except Thanksgiving. I like stuffing with gravy on it. <laughs> are you a cornbread stuffing or are you just like the traditional stovetop? Uh, you know what? I think the traditional stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I grew up on. <laughs> that's awesome. So you see backpacking. That's, it is good once in a while, but I, yeah. Well, it's gotta be gluten-free now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our dietary, I tell you it's, it's, So I, this was a real, I had a little heads up on this one yesterday. And and so um, I really struggled with this because I used to hate turkey until we found this new uh, brine, brine, Cajun brine, Creole turkey thing, which now it makes it good. (laughs) So we, I don't know that there's one food I couldn't live without. 
So I had to choose. I, there's no way. Whatever I'm eating, I have to have a really good glass of red wine with it. So I could not not do it. Gotta have a glass of red Are wine. Are we allowed so to say that? Are we allowed uh, to come clean about that's that? That's mine. I, you know, and then uh, as uh, that's that's what it is. I just um, and then you know, for me, Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not food related, but it's. It needs to just be chill. It needs to not. Yes. Those are my memories, right? It's, it's just, man, sit back and, and relax and don't do any chores. I'm a very type A every weekend. We got to have a project type of person. And it's that one day that I just, just, do just do nothing. Like truly it's okay to do nothing. Right. And so if I didn't have that, that would, that would spoil You're the food funny. and everything else. But. Stuffing, stuffing and wine. That's there all we need go. to have at Thanksgiving. There it is. Mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese. Uh. <laughs> oh, you guys, thank you for joining us. Can't I can't speak for Kisa, but I am thankful for my husband. I'm pretty sure she's thankful for hers too. <laughs> Hopefully. Most <laughs> <laughs> days, right, for us. Most days. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everything you all do. And yeah, we, we're really thankful for both of you all supporting us yeah. in this little podcast journey, too. We couldn't do it without your support. So thank you. Thanks, Lance. I admire what you guys are doing. So Renee and I wish you and your families a very happy Thanksgiving. We know that this year has been tough for so many reasons for so many of us. But remember that God is still good and just take some time to reflect on all the good things that have come out of this year. So I'll leave you with a verse that continues to be fitting for 2020. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. Remember, be humble, be kind, be a good listener, and be courageous. Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed is written and produced by Kisa Holke and myself. Music is licensed through musicbed.com. Learn more about us, hear more episodes, and send us your questions and comments at two mamas and a mustard seed.com. It's perfect weather, it can't get better. It's just another sunny day. Sunny day, hey, I'm rolling with the top down, California dream.